And now, the time fight fans all across the globe have been waiting for. It's the Trackstar Sports MMA main card with your man, The Voice. As always, let's start off with some headlines and hot takes. Endeavor, the same multimedia company that owns the UFC, recently bought New Line. If New Line sounds familiar, they are the streaming company that's been behind the UFC Fight Pass for years and they've been the streaming provider for UFC pay-per-views for quite some time as well. They also caught a lot of flack from the UFC for the Mayweather-McGregor fight because a number of streams crashed during that time uh, causing a bit of loss of revenue. Well, uh, Endeavor owns them now and it should benefit them in a number of different ways. One, it could be posturing for contract negotiations because uh, things have been said to be a bit um, just not to Endeavor's liking as far as the negotiations have been concerned with Fox specifically. I know they did something with streaming recently with Amazon uh, now owning New Line. I, you know, it's it's interesting to see how that's going to work out. You know, if they would still use Amazon for that. I mean, it's another stream of revenue, no pun intended. So who knows? But anyway, yeah, those things going on. Then also, it's uh, it's a nice backup plan or it could be if negotiations fall apart as well as uh, with everything that the UFC has been doing with Amazon, if they've got that in their bag as well, that might be something that they could present to Amazon as a means of acquiring those rights. It could be also acquiring New Lion with that acquisition. And New Lion has streamed for the NFL and the NBA. So uh, it could be a really, really nice pickup either way it goes, especially for the price they got it for $250 million for uh, that kind of technology, especially something that they've used quite a bit in the past and could be using even more so in the future. Yeah, that, that's a steal. What a difference a week makes. Last week, told you about how Kamaru Usman, that's right, Niger stand-up, the Nigerian nightmare, was stirring the pot and in his own words uh, put on a big drama show on social media specifically Twitter last week talking about different fighters and the matchups that he wanted to see first he wanted to see Till if not Till then Ponzinibbio and Ali Abdelaziz who is Usman's manager jumped in and also through Jorge Masvidal's name in there as well, saying that Masvidal was turned down the fight. Well, as I stated, Masvidal said, no, that's not the case. Didn't turn down anything. His manager also stated that they were never offered the fight. But the big drama show worked out for most of those that were involved because 
Usman will now not only fight one of the people that he wanted in Santiago Ponzinibbio, but they are going to headline the UFC's debut in the country of Chile. This is the first Latin American country outside of Brazil that the UFC will have a bout in. Another name that was thrown out, like I said, was Darren Till, who Usman also wanted to fight. It was stated during the last fight there in London that Till would headline a card in his native city of Liverpool. So obviously he needed someone to fight. No one had stepped up to the plate for that. One person whose name was nowhere in the conversation as a matter of fact someone in their camp their father said that they didn't want the fight wound up being the one to sign on the dotted line and that would be nobody else none other than I was going to say Keith that's not uh, the Wonder Boy I'm talking about not Keith Wonder Boy Johnson no 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 <laughs> but Stephen Wonder Boy Thompson that's right uh, Wonder Boy is going to fight Till now. As far as this matchup is concerned, Till and Wonder Boy are striking specialists. So it should be a really interesting fight from that perspective. Hopefully, we've seen people in the way that they approach Wonder Boy um, in order to nullify his game. It winds up being a fight that may or may not be as aesthetically pleasing. All you have to do is watch Wonder Boy Woodley 2. The first one was a great fight. Second one uh, was a lot of chess playing that went on. I enjoyed it because I could see what was being done and the games that were being played, the traps that were being set. But a lot of people found it boring because there wasn't a lot of action. Also, you can look at Wonder Boy's fight with Rory McDonald. Same kind of fight. Both excellent strikers, both trying to bait the other one into things. And because of that, not a whole lot of action. If Till approaches it that way, it could be five rounds of uh, posturing. Um, if Till goes in you know, for the kill... Uh, it's kill or be killed. He can kill Wonder Boy or Wonder Boy can catch him. Either way it goes, it should be a very, very interesting fight. The only person out of all of this who didn't wind up with a fight was Jorge Masvidal. I mean, even Neil Magny and Gunnar Nelson booked a fight against each other. Uh, Masvidal stated that he would love to fight in the U.K., Will he fight on this card? Who knows? Uh, but he's still on the outside looking in as far as fights are concerned. Uh, fighting former teammate and Robbie Lawler. Woo! That would be a fight that I would love to see. All the makings of the Voices Marquee matchup. Nothing's been signed. There's uh, nothing out there right now. And We'll just have to keep our eyes out to see what happens with Gamebred Jorge Masvidal. In other welterweight news, Ed Ruth 
is making his welterweight debut next week in Hungary. And he got a replacement fighter. And now he'll be fighting uh, Ion Pascu, the Romanian who trains out of SBG Ireland. We'll meet Ruth at a catchweight of 175. Usually Pascu fights at middleweight, so he's coming down about 10 pounds, meeting him in the middle. It's interesting because this is Ruth's first fight, his first attempt at welterweight, and uh, he's not going to have to go all the way down for the first try. Now, with four times as many victories as Ruth has fights, I mean, not just four times as many victories as Ruth has four times as many wins as he has fights. This is going to be the toughest test to date for the blue chip wrestling prospect. Ruth said that he wants to work on his stand up, but with uh, the way that Pascu does things and the majority of his wins coming by KO, it would best serve Ruth to get the fight down to the ground and into his world that way. Chael Sonnen seems to have an opinion about everything. And recently, he was on TMZ sharing his opinion of Floyd Mayweather and the talks of him fighting in MMA. Take a listen to the clip, and we'll talk a little bit more about recent developments. No, Floyd's not going to do MMA, but he is going to box again. He's enjoying this attention. It's been very smart what he did. I think it surprised him. I think he was just going out to have a little bit of fun. I don't think he realized he could get four and five weeks uh, of headlines out of this. But he does need to box again, for sure. I mean, I, you call it breaking news, but I, I will tell you unequivocally right now, Floyd Mayweather does and is planning to box one more time. And the motivation, be, uh, the motivation behind... Whether or not Floyd has liquid assets and or has the money that he should have is another story. I don't know Floyd's business dealings. I know that with Mayweather Promotions, he is still in the game. He is still out there doing things to make money. Know some other business investments that he has. So I don't know that Floyd is broke. Uh, Chell said something about embellishments and he's the master of embellishment so I have to take what he says with a grain of salt could it be that there is a need for money something that Connor hinted to when their fight took place so could there be some truth to it absolutely do we know for sure no do we know that Floyd spends very very can't even say foolishly because it's money and I don't know the man's money but it definitely seems I'll say that he and money um, though his nickname they don't tend to stay around each other very long I mean he's known to be a high stakes gambler buying homes all over the place taking trips and, and fashion shoots at the Wall of China, I mean, just, you know, a number of different things, a number of different purchases that um, 
aren't necessarily the wisest or seemingly not the wisest jewelry and, and cars and things of that nature, things that depreciate almost as soon as you purchase them. But to say he's broke, uh, that might be a stretch. Uh, again, we don't know. And I know one of the great demises for many fighters is taxes. Haven't heard that there's been any trouble that way, at least not as of yet. We'll have to wait to see how things work out now. As far as Floyd and MMA are concerned, uh, he said earlier this week that he'd started some training, at least cardio. Uh, does that mean he's going to be fighting in MMA? We don't know. Does that mean he might be fighting soon? As Chell said, it definitely looks that way. As a matter of fact, Floyd said that he would probably be fighting before this year is over. Uh, where that takes place uh, remains to be seen. But earlier this week, uh, one of the people that's spearheading his training for MMA, also a correspondent for TMZ Sports, Tyron the Chosen One Woodley, had some words to say about the champ's preparation. Take a listen. Yeah, you know, I talked to Floyd yesterday, actually. He's in Miami right now. We coordinating dates on training. You know, um, I think, obviously, his striking is bar none, some of the best we've ever seen in the sport. Anybody who has the ability to evade a punch in a fraction of a second, I think with proper repetition, proper time and drilling, um, can avoid a, a takedown or a wrestling attempt. So that's obviously going to be the primary goal, to, to equip him with the tools to not get taken down. And if he happens to get taken down, how to keep the cool and how to get his butt back up to his feet and get back where he needs to be. Are you guys beginning the process of training Floyd as we speak? Yeah, you know, we're beginning the process of setting up the time, and I think more of it is going to be um, game plan and strategy over the phone and talking about mm. the game plan of training and then start the training. Um, because obviously if you think about the wrestling, you think about the jiu-jitsu, and you think about the, the kicking aspect of the game, he does not have to go out there and start learning how to kick like Bruce Lee. He does not right. have mm. to go out there and become a black belt overnight. He just has to be able to, to stop it and to get within boxing range, and I think anybody in the UFC, he's going to be able to handle his own way. Is there a time for frame tyrant for when you guys start this strategy planning over the phone and for when you actually get you know in person and start showing him some stuff I think we're going to start most of it next week. So I think we're going to start some of the strategy talks next week and we might get some sessions in as well. Ronda Rousey was in the media once again. This time she made the car wash at ESPN going from show to show, supposedly, or I should say, from her perspective, think she thought she was there to talk about her WWE career and specifically WrestleMania, which is coming up. But why talk about fake wrestling when you're a real fighter and there's so many question marks regarding that part of your career due to the way that she left MMA. One thing that I saw in preparing for this podcast was a statement by a very astute and thoughtful 
young man on Twitter who gave a lot of good reasons for Ronda not to talk so much about her time in the UFC because of the ways that they ended and pointed specifically to her statement after the Holly Holm fight where she said that she wanted to die, that she was suicidal. After the fight with Nunez, Rhonda said that she felt like God must hate her because of losing and thinking that winning in MMA was the sum total of her life. And her husband had to kind of talk her down and let her know, no, uh, you know, fighting is just a part of you. It's not the sum total of who you are. So with those things being said, it makes sense that she doesn't want to talk about it because it's just too difficult for her to deal with. It takes her to a very, very dark place when your when your identity is wrapped up in what you do versus wrapped up in the reality of who you are when what you do no longer works. Yeah, that that's a hard, hard pill to swallow. And honestly, for many people, specifically males, when they stop working, they die. I know just my own experience looking at my father when he stopped working because that was his identity. He felt useless and soon after he was no longer here and that's the case with a number of people like I said specifically men find their identity in what they do and much of what Rhonda has done has been her identity looks as if she is building a different identity one thing that I don't have which uh, I wish I did but I don't are some clips from her interview with Brett Akamoto of ESPN he is there. MMA correspondent and that was one of the better interviews that she had Uh, her husband Travis Brown was there with her and maybe having him there as a buffer helped her then also with Brett's interview it was a longer interview most of these interviews she had at ESPN were very very short interviews get in get out you didn't have a lot of time for setup and I think that led to much of the <laughs> uncooperativeness that Rhonda had and, and a lot of her angst and frustration. Speaking of those things, let's listen to a couple of those clips. One with between her and Max Kellerman, the other between her and Mike Golick. Uh, neither of them put a positive spin on Rhonda. Uh, but they definitely made news and kept her front and center when it comes to sports and the news. Like, why is everyone talking about, oh my God, she lost, is she over it, all these kind of things, when you achieved such heights that one loss, the whole world stopped and noticed it. Why do you think there was a kind of negative backlash to you after the loss? Um, 
In other words, people, in, you must be aware, in the, in the MMA world, there was a lot of talk, well, she was overrated, she was this, she was that, and my point of view was, at the time and remains, that you achieved amazing heights. Almost no one wins forever. Everyone suffers setbacks. But there seemed to be like an unusual amount of negative pushback after your loss. Did you, did you not experience that? I experience a lot of people who quote some people that are really just afraid to state their own opinion. Do you think it's my opinion? That No, that's not my opinion. I can tell you right now, it's not my opinion. I thought you achieved amazing things. I was and am, remain a big fan of your fighting and of you. That's not, that's not me saying some people meaning me. That is me saying I read and heard from others and defended you. Well, thank you for defending me. I appreciate that. Go back and, and start with when you knew from the, the MMA, when you were done there, when you, when you knew in your mind, I'm not going to fight anymore. I never said that. Ah, so there is a possibility that you could go back in time? There's a possibility that I could go back in time? That's go, your question to me? Go back in time and, and, and fight. Go back in the octagon. I do not have the ability to go back in time, no. No. Would you fight again? I don't know. UFC 223 takes place next week. Oh, and it's going to be a good, good such an excellent fight card. Before we take a look at the fights on that card, if everything holds up, because generally, and if you've listened before, you know, one fight per card generally falls out due to weight cutting issues. And this one has a history of problems as far as weight is concerned. And its competitors, specifically in Khabib Nurmagomedov. But the lead up to this thing has been so very good. Uh, Khabib and Tony Elkakui Ferguson don't care very much for each other. And that's understandable. This would make the fourth time that they've tried to fight one another. And all of the fights have fallen out for some reason or another. They had a press conference on Wednesday, <laughs> and it was of epic proportions uh, due to the language and everything. I'm not going to play clips of it, but I'll give you a sanitized version of just some of the highlights that I took away from it. First and foremost, they were going back and forth, Tony and Khabib were. And uh, Tony said, you're fake. You're fake, man. You're fake. And uh, Khabib was like, I'm fake. How am I fake? He's like, you f you're fake. You're fake like tiramisu. <laughs> and this comes from the last time they tried to fight, uh, which was around this time last year. It's around March of 2015. I believe that they fought either or that they attempted to fight it was either March or um, not 15. I'm sorry, 2017. 
either March or June of 2017, they attempted to fight, and Khabib was infamously being filmed by the UFC embedded crew and watch him eat some tiramisu cake and then he had trouble cutting weight so it just really didn't bode well you don't eat cake when you're trying to make weight and you're not on weight you, you just don't do things like that so that's uh tiramisu came up quite a bit in this press conference uh, another one that was so funny and brought the tiramisu up was Khabib was like, uh, why you no show up in 2016? You eat tiramisu too? Tony Ferguson was like, nope, I have blood in my lungs. Khabib said, hey, listen, tiramisu is much better than blood. <laughs> then another time, Khabib said, oh, yeah, Tony, you funny. You funny guy. You stupid funny guy. <laughs> he caught him a stupid funny guy. It was just crazy. Khabib kept calling him stupid just the, the whole time. Like, nobody understand you. I English my second language, but you not speaking English. I, I don't I cannot understand you. No nobody understands you. You stupid. And uh, uh Tony called Khabib a flat footed duck bill platypus. A flat-footed duckbill platypus. Tell me a duckbill platypus that's not flat-footed. But, I mean, like I said, they, they were just going at it. Uh, Tony definitely marches to the beat of a different drummer. And he was not only marching to the beat of a different drummer. He was running to the beat of a different drummer. The 60-minute long press call. Tony was training. He was working out. He was running. He wanted to make sure that Khabib knew, look, I am super serious about this fight. I am not taking it lightly. Everyone is picking you to win. Uh, they're saying I'm the underdog. I'm always the underdog, but I'm El Kakui. This is Snapdown City, and I'm getting ready to put the hurt on you. I've been sharpening up my elbows, elbowing steel posts and all kind of crazy stuff. Like I said, Tony marches to the beat of his own drummer and he, he just does his thing. But the whole time you can hear him whenever he came back to uh, the phone or whenever he was saying something, you could hear the, the footsteps in the background and, and you could hear his breathing that he was not still. He was running. He was working out. Uh, just letting Khabib know, look, you're going to be in for the fight of your life come April 7th. Like I said, this fight fell apart three times before uh, this one was set up. And the last time it was on weigh-in day that it fell out. So we have to be patient, very patient uh, to see whether or not the fight takes place. One thing that stands out to me about this that I'm not quite getting is that with all of the trouble they've had in making the fight. Now, granted, Khabib made weight very easily last time, but that was last time, not this time. Khabib's always hurt. Something's always going on with him that he's unable to fight. They've got some phenomenal fights lined up on this card, but 
there isn't a fighter who could step in for either one of the fighters if something were to happen to them, which is a bit of a head scratcher. I mean, I know they've got the co-main event of Rose Nama Yunus and former Bantamweight, or I should say former strawweight queen, Joanna Yandrechek. And that could always move up to the number one spot. But it just seems like they would have somebody there just in case the fight fell apart. Now, like I said, this is a rematch. Or I shouldn't say I said that, but uh, this is a rematch between Rose and Joanna. Uh, They fought to, uh, or I should say Rose fought to a victory in... New York on the annual Madison Square Garden card, which takes place in November. So wasn't too long ago that they fought, but it makes sense to do this again because Joanna uh, was such a dominant champion and there really isn't anyone else at 115. I mean, you've got a, a couple people out there who could possibly challenge for the title, but to give uh, Joanna another crack at it especially right now it, it makes sense strike while the the iron is hot if Joanna were to win then that sets up a trilogy fight between her and Rose uh, gives Rose some time to fight some other people gives Joanna uh, a chance to also possibly fight some other people but yeah, running back right now is great, especially if Rose wins. That's two in a row, and Rose knocked her clean out in the first fight. I mean, just caught her really, really hard. Got down on the ground, kept following up with ground and pound. Uh, so much so that Joanna wound up tapping out, but she didn't even know she was tapping out. She she denies to this day that she tapped out. And some of her denials and some of the confidence that makes her who she is right now is coming off as being overconfident. So it's going to be interesting to see how this one plays out. UFC 223 is a hardcore MMA fans fight card made in heaven already told you about Khabib and Tony all the history there both of them phenomenal fighters Tony uh, can catch you with elbows and kicks and his uh, ground game is crazy Joanna Yandrechek is a beast taking on Rose who's been killing everybody but then you got Hanato Moicano Versus Calvin Cater. Now, Moicano was a jungle fight champ. And he only lost once in his career. And that was his last fight against soon-to-be title challenger, T-City Brian Ortega. In typical T-City fashion, he pulled out a submission in the third round. Fight was so good back and forth that it was the fight of the night on the Jones-Cormier two card back in September and this specific fight for Moicano is the first time that he's fought since that September card 
the Calvin Cater. Man, this dude has been on a roll. His last loss was a decision back in 2010. So eight years ago, he's won both of his fights in the UFC, including a KO of Shane Burgos in his native Massachusetts on the kickoff card this year when Francis Ngannou and Stipe Miocic fought at the TD Gardens there in Boston. Also on the main card, you got Michael the Maverick Chiesa and Anthony Showtime Pettis. Now, I heard Chiesa recently in an interview say that he thinks that Pettis lost his hunger and the Maverick is still hungry to be the champ. I think he's a bit delusional to think that he's going to be champ, but to be a professional fighter, you got to live by a little bit of delusion. Also, and I should say the reason I really think he's a bit delusional is that he still thinks that the loss to Kevin Lee was stopped early. But when you look at that fight, his hands go kind of in a crazy fashion like he is out of it, like he has been choked unconscious. So, and I, I feel like Mario Yamasaki is the one who was in the ring and made that call. Yamasaki has made a bunch of questionable calls, but that one, I think he got right. The curtain jerker for this is another flyweight bout. This time is going to be between Raging Ally Kenta and Paul Felder. Now, this could have been weird because back in the day, Paul Felder trained with Mark Henry. Recently, for about the last three fight camps or so, he's been in Milwaukee at Rufus Sport. So it makes things a bit easier because Mark Henry and Iaquinta's coach, which is the legendary Ray Longo, uh, they have a very good relationship and often cross-train. So people from uh, Longo Weidman MMA will go over to train with Mark Henry and vice versa. So it could have been weird. This is a situation that they ran into a couple cars back when Aljamain Sterling got knocked out by Marlon Moraes. Uh, so fortunately, like I said, Father had, Felder has been in Milwaukee at Rufus Sport, so it shouldn't be as uh, weird as things could have been. What's interesting about this, and I want to see how it plays out, is that both Pettis and Felder train at Rufus Sport, both in the lightweight division, so they'll both be pushing each other and training with each other for this card. I'll just be interested in seeing how that whole dynamic plays out for the Rufus Sport team. The preliminary card on Fox Sports 1, man, the featured bout for the prelims has cool, cool, cool. Carolina Kovalkiewicz and the Bulldog Felice Herrick. This is the highest profile fight in Herrick's UFC tenure. Uh, cool Carolina is a former title challenger and she's always in the mix as far as 115 pounds is concerned. Yeah, that they picked an excellent fight to be the preliminary fight or I should say the feature fight on the preliminary card. 
but the card is so stacked. You got Ray the Taz Mexican Boy, who's also a former title challenger. This time in the flyweight division for the men, we'll be taking on Brandon, Assassin Baby, Moreno. Oh man, you got uh, Brown on Brown, not crying, but fight time uh, going on in that specific bout. You have the post fight bonus king, Joe Lozon. Taking on Chris Grusemacher, one of the top prospects in the past as far as the lightweight division was Evan Dunham. I mean, his jiu-jitsu was sick, his uh, stand-up game was developing, and he's been on a four-fight win streak with the exception of a draw to Benil Darius in his last fight. He was looking to bounce back and add to the wins when he takes on the Quebec kid, Olivier Aubin-Mercier, who's also on a three-fight win streak of his own. The fight pass feature bout. You got Alex Bruce Leroy Caceres against Artem, the Russian hammer, Lobov. Artem is known primarily as being the main training partner for Conor McGregor. That's what got him into the UFC. That's what keeps him in the UFC because generally when Artem fights, Conor's there. When Conor's there, he brings eyeballs. So it just works out well for things. Having him on the fight pass featured prelim, or I should say as a featured bout for fight pass, Genius, absolute genius. Why? Again, wherever you have Artem, you have Connor. And if you have it on the Fight Pass prelim, guess what? People are going to be signing up for Fight Pass who may not have Fight Pass so that they can see what goes on in this bout. On that uh, portion of the card, you've got a women's flyweight fight between Beck Rawlings and Ashley Evans-Smith. This is a fight for their UFC career. Beck Rollins is on a three-fight losing streak, and Ashley Evans is on a two-fight losing streak. Now, the former Beck Hyatt, Rollins was on tough, and again, she changed her name from Hyatt to Rollins because Hyatt was her married, married name. And her husband at the time was abusive. Uh, The Australian queen got out of that situation, reclaimed her identity, and has been working hard to provide for her son in the fight game. Whereas Ashley Evan Smith, the rebel girl, she's got some notable wins in her short time as an MMA fighter. She has a win over the Belizean bruiser Marion Renault who is making a lot of waves at the 135 pound category, the Bantamweight category for women and she may be a fighter so away from contending for the title. Her most notable win, Ashley Evan Smith is when she handed transgender fighter Fallon Fox 
not only a loss and the first loss, but knocked Fallon clean out. Moving on. Light heavyweight Devin Clark and Mike Rodriguez are going to be fighting on this portion of the card. But the very first fight on the card is a must-see. I told you, the UFC knows what they're doing. They know what they're doing. Spoke about in the beginning of this episode how they just purchased New Line. New Line streams live events online. Fight Pass has been powered by, or I should say, has used New Lion to stream their events. And the very first fight they put on the card, they put a rising star in Zabit Magomed Sharapov. That's right. They call this man Zabist. They call him ZM Punk. I call him a freak of nature at 6-1 fighting at 145 pounds. He's a long fighter regardless of the weight class. Well, let me not say that. If you're fighting like a light heavyweight, okay. 6-1, that's about average. But for a featherweight, oh man, he is super duper long. And the man has crazy crazy striking of his wins he split his, most of his victories or I should say his victories have been split between submissions and KOs with two decisions what's uh, even more interesting about this fight is that the person he's taking on in crash Kyle uh, Bosniak well he also has split his fights uh Half of his victories are subs. The other half are knockouts with two decisions as well. Biggest difference is that Zabit comes from a more established fight team and has many more fights under him than Kyle Bosniak. Uh, Bosniak is a four-fight UFC vet, and he's been trading wins and losses since he joined the UFC back in 2016. Before that, he was undefeated. So uh, it looks like a showcase fight for Zabit. And if it is, man, it's a showcase you don't want to miss. I mean, anytime Zabit fights, you need to be in front of the screen. And again, trying to pull in some people with Fight Pass. I've been a Fight Pass subscriber since day one. So I look forward to being right in front of my television connected to my Xbox One, pull up the app, and I'm going to be all over this fight. To keep up with Trackstar Sports, like the Trackstar Sports Facebook page, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You can also favorite us on anchor.fm where new content gets released every day except for Sunday subscribe to our podcast on Apple and Google Play our flagship show is Debate Fuel which you can catch live on Periscope on Saturday mornings or listen to the audio version 
later on that day or early within the week. Also, join the Debate Fuel Facebook group where you can interact with us on a daily basis as we talk about all things sports. Until next time, it's your man, The Voice, host of the Trackstar Sports MMA main card, and I'm sounding off.